0: going to read some of it. We're going to try to do the whole chapter this morning, but I won't read the whole chapter right now. But just for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. I have written briefly. When you read this, So, Lord, we just pray you help us not only be hearers of your word this morning, we want to be doers. Allow your word to get into our spirit, help it to produce fruit, and we ask it in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. You see, the Old Testament is all about the Jews, and it talks about that walk, God's chosen people, what took place, and then the Messiah, they knew that the Messiah was going to come. They understood that the Messiah was going to come, but what the Old Testament folks did not know is that the Messiah was going to open the door for Gentiles. That is the mystery. Even the Jews of the day, they couldn't understand why the apostles were starting to preach to the Gentiles. Because they thought they were unworthy. They were second-class citizens. As a matter of fact, if you listened last week, they called them dogs. Dogs. But the mystery has been revealed. It's amazing when you think you know everything about God and you find out you don't. And especially those that are very religious. I was looking at some posts the other day by some friends of mine on Facebook, and they're very, very strong in that miracles have stopped. And you shouldn't listen to any prophetic words. And you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that until... You get sick until you need a miracle, then all of a sudden, that's out the window. And they'll call you, even though they're at a different place, worshiping in a different, could you come and pray for me? And that's not being arrogant. I'm telling you, it's amazing how we get caught up in religion. We get caught up in religion. And, and we're fearful about so many things when God says, man, just, just trust me. And here are the Jews thinking that the Gentiles, man, there's no hope for them. And Jesus opens up a door to make a way. It's such a miracle. The church age is something that you and I need to be thanking Jesus for, because that's what we're in. The church did not replace Israel, so we're not into replacement theology. But there's a church age where God has opened up the gospel to the entire world. Turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. So verses 1 through 5, the mystery has been revealed Unrevealed previously, but now is being made known that Gentiles are fellow heirs in the kingdom. Oh, man, that had to just get some of them in so many ways. How many know if you have an attitude that you're better than somebody, that pride will last a long time? I mean, people who really enjoy Purdue basketball and I'm one of them, when some team like down in Bloomington <laughs> beat them for like the first or second time in 10 years, we had all this pride. Now they have some pride. It has nothing to do with religion. Well, it does because some people worship those teams, and I don't. It's just a game, folks. Amen? Amen? Verse 7. And on this good news, Paul, a minister, which is in the Greek, a deacon or a servant, given God's grace and power to fulfill the calling. So here's the problem today. The reason we have so much religion is we've, I'm not against education. I think it's great. I think getting educated is very important. But we're highlighting education over faith in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I say that again? There are some that believe and have been called and empowered with their calling and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And they may not even have a high school education. That's why it bothered a lot of the folks about some of the disciples. These are ignorant men. But if they've been called and been empowered, watch out. So never poo-poo people just because they don't have your degree. And I mean that in love. In Acts 13 verses 1 through 3, just talking about the Holy Spirit, the calling and the power, it says there, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit says, set apart for me after fasting. Everybody say fasting. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to start fasting. Your body's screaming fasting. (laughs) They were set apart. The Spirit set them apart to that which I had called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. We have lost the art of fasting. All hell's breaking loose in America and in the world, and we're saying, well, let's just get the right people elected. Duh. Half of the people saying that don't vote. Well, let's do this and do that. How about let's get on our faces before God? I was asking Pastor Adam, when are you going to have a worship night? When are you going to have something where people maybe can fast that day, come in that night to get a hold of God and say, we need a change in America. We need to start calling out in our prayers, fasting, Lord, change whatever needs to be changed in leadership. Start shaking the church. Start shaking the pastors. Start shaking and remove that spirit of religion. Something needs to take place, but it's going to have to be through prayer and fasting. We can talk about prayer all the time, but honestly, nobody wants to pray. It's a battle of the flesh until they're in a battle. Then they want to pray. Or they want you to pray. You see, after fasting and prayer here, they sent them out calling, sent them out because of the calling and with the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Timothy 4.14 says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Talking to Timothy, come on. And I'm not talking about being employed as a pastor. I'm talking about you have a calling. You are all ministers in the kingdom of God. You are called to go make a difference in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family. You are called to be a light each and every day. And and this is what I see happening in the body of Christ. Let me get to point number one first, if I get no further. Gentiles are now fellow members of the church. To be thinking on the second point, what what is God doing in your life that has you puzzled? What is it that God's wanting to do or that he is doing that has you puzzled? But I hear this all the time. The staff hears this. You can be someplace. You can even be at a conference and you hear this. I need somebody to lay hands on me and get me delivered. You heard that? And what do we do? We go over there. Okay, I'm going to lay hands on you. We're, we're screwing it up, folks. Because according to Proverbs 29.18 in the Amplified version, Proverbs, you might want to write this down, 29.18 in the Amplified, where there is no vision, Where there is no vision, which means no revelation of God and his word, no vision, no revelation of God and his word, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. They're unrestrained. Oh, my goodness. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. In the New Living Translation, When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. People are wanting somebody to lay hands on them, but it's awful hard to watch that take place when they spend most of their day on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Netflix, they stay up late watching stuff on Netflix, maybe when their spouse is in bed or together, and they're watching dung. And they're spreading dung all over them. Look up what dung is. (laughs) And they smell like dung. Their life looks like dung. I'm being nice here today. But they want somebody to lay hands on them when the word says in Proverbs 29, 18, if you're not going to get and follow the calling that God has given you, and you're not going to get in his word to find out how he's going to direct your steps, you are going to be unrestrained. And to be unrestrained is you're going to go out there and live like the devil And you're going to be addicted to alcohol, addicted to drugs, addicted to pornography, find yourself gambling, find yourself in places and atmospheres you should never be, and you're wanting to say, set me free, lay hands on me, dump some oil on me. No, the word says here that you are unrestrained because you have no vision. You've not gotten into the word and found out what his calling is for you. Because when you find the calling of God, All of a sudden, boundaries get all around you, and you're no longer unrestrained because you know what God wants you to do. And you say, I can't hang with you no more. I can't watch you no more. I can't go there no more because I know because of the calling and the vision that God has given me, I'm going to walk this out, and I'm going to have these boundaries set up so that I can do the work of the Lord. The problem is, I thought that might be the first time in my life that my wife might stand during one of my sermons at a (laughs) plot. The problem is, we are so unrestrained, even in the body of Christ. You see, the father of the prodigal had to let him go unrestrained, I want it my way, I want to do my thing, I'm going to go be, and he just waited, come on, get this parents, he just waited, he may have prayed, he may have fasted, but he did not chase after them, I remember going to the drive-in here in town, and we didn't have much money. So we got in the trunk of my buddy's car. Four of us. With three of us upright, and I was in the trunk. And there was a hole, and that exhaust was coming in. I'm like, I think we're going to die. <laughs> and we're about to go in. When all of a sudden, the mama of one of these teenage boys comes running up, starts beating on the window, and I hear the boy say, leave, mom, please leave, open that door. He opened that door, she grabbed him by the hair of the head, she pulled him out of that car, she said, you're not going in here, and you're not hanging with those boys. I told those guys, I know his mom, do not say a word, or we are dead. (laughs) There are times when you've got to go after the prodigal. Not always, but there are times. I'll never forget that. Just ask Pastor Jeff Booth about his mom doing that to him. (laughs) God has given us a mission. We're to go out and reach, amen? But I'm, I'm, I'm hooked on drugs. I'm hooked on alcohol. We see them come all the time and they keep doing the same. They, they got to run out every 10 seconds. And I'm not down on them. I'm just saying, without vision, they're unrestrained. And as a church, as the body of Christ, We need to let them know who they are in Christ so they can find their calling in Christ so we can teach them, and then they can become reachers of others. People that have no vision run wild. Show me people that have no boundaries, and I will show you people where anything goes. Well, I don't need the word anymore. I finally found the guy or the gal I'm married, and I'm not praying, and I'm reading. And all of a sudden, things aren't going good in the marriage, and then they're looking around. Oh, it looks better over there. I heard a statistic the other day that if you had more than five partners before you got married, you have a real hard time being intimate with your partner because your mind keeps going back to all those other partners. Oh, my gosh. The only way you're going to get that mind cleansed is you need it washed with the word. Come on now. I'm not saying that to continue. I'm saying you need the word every day. They live for themselves. They have that philosophy. If it feels good because I'm unrestrained, I'm just going to do it. Doesn't matter who I'm with. Doesn't matter. What we do, it's all about me, willing to pay the price, setting everybody else aside, even families, even spouses, even parents. And then you hear them cry out, I'm a victim. My mom and daddy didn't do this. Come on now. We need to start taking responsibility for our own decisions. Quit blaming the church. (laughs) Quit blaming an ex. Quit blaming everybody else. Just suck it up and say, listen, I got unrestrained in some stuff. Come on. So it's not the laying on of hands, although that can help. It's not soaking their head with oil. That can work. It's getting a vision, receiving a revelation from God through his word, and then doing what God's called you to do. Be about the business of the kingdom. My goodness. We've got so much flesh going on in the church, we don't even fast. A meal. If you've got a wayward spouse or a wayward child or you're facing hell at work, you need to start giving up some meals. Take that 10 minutes to pray and read the word and ask God to make a difference. Well, if I give up meals, I'll die. (laughs) Unrestrained boundary speaking. Some things only happen through prayer and fasting. Believe me, I have fasted so much in my life. It's not something I want to do. I don't even ask God about it anymore. I don't want to hear But I know when I'm in a situation and I need the hand of God to move or I need him to change what I'm doing, I give up that food. And it's amazing. It's amazing what he will do. Listen, the revelation that you get from the the Lord will establish boundaries, parameters get established by the Holy Spirit. And you know what? Out of love, you're going to want to obey that because all of a sudden you see the calling, you sense what God's having you do. And there's no greater joy than fulfilling the will of God. So as you spend hours gaming, Instagram watching, TikToking, all those videos. Man, people are spending five and six hours watching this stuff, but I ain't got time to pray. The word of God is so hard for me to get. But we can watch movie after movie after movie. We can spend four hours watching a Super Bowl with a halftime that's nothing but erotic, Baal worship half the time. Oh, don't touch my golden calf. Unrestrained boundaries. Many of you are walking around with your little earbuds and you're putting such trash in your brain with those words. You're hip-hopping or whatever it is you're doing and you're listening to all that stuff and you want to know why your mind is running away with ungodly thoughts because you've got junk in and dung coming out. You're spending these hours watching YouTube, Netflix, on the iPad, the iPhone, the computer, feeding this unrestrained flesh, eating your time away. Your decisions will... Be based on what you're feeding on. Come on now. If you're just doing nothing but feeding flesh, that's what you're going to make a decision on. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel a little condemned today. <laughs> I told her we shouldn't have come to this church. <laughs> they were going to review us some stuff. That, that arrogant, skinny little guy up there. I'd just like to take him out back and snap him once or twice. I've been snapped so many times. I'm kind of like Gumby. I'll come back. Some of you don't even know what Gumby is, okay? It's not me. The Holy Spirit is saying we are in a season in this nation where we need real prayer, real fasting going on. We need to get into the presence of God and let God start directing the steps because the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. What do I do next, God? What should I purchase? What should I buy? How should I invest? Where should I go? Take time and pray. Put fasting out there. Quit making all these decisions because you're so gifted. Make sure you're doing what God wants and not what's feeding or blowing up your ego. Well, I can't. It's all tied up. That's what you're going to say to God. You know, I had this going on. I had this going on. I needed you to do this. They could have done this. They could have done that. Well, it was all tied up. Baby, if you wanted to go to that and you wanted to go over there and you wanted to spend money over there, you had no time, no buying that vehicle, getting that. You had no problem making those decisions, but yet you used that excuse when it came to my kingdom. Ooh, everybody go ouch. Turn to your neighbor and say, That wasn't me. That wasn't me, okay. pumping filth into our brains. but We don't have time for any revelation, according to the Amplified. Any revelation from the Word. We all have callings, according to Ephesians 4.1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Oh, my goodness. Without a vision, the people perish. Oh, my goodness. Without any revelation, there is no restraint. Boundaries are gone. I If I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Hello, Paul, out of humility. He says, man, I'm the least amongst least. I'm the lowest of low what I've done. And you say, well, I'm not prepared to do his work. That's the best place to be in. Your weakest point, he becomes the strongest. Jesus, the servants at my father's house, they're eating better than I do. I blew my inheritance. I smell like dung. I smell like pigs. I've been eating what they've been feeding them. If I go back, I don't deserve to be a son of my father's, but if I could just go back and be a servant, come on, sometimes it takes rock bottom. That was a good amen. Verses 8 and 9 there, remain low and let God. That's what it's saying in Ephesians 3. Remain low and let God. To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone What is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be now made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Do you not get this church? We are in this position right now to make known the mysteries of God to a world that is crumbling, broken, tired, worn out, doesn't know what to do. And we have the riches of the mystery of God to share with them. But more we're more worried about our stuff. Some of you spend more time looking for a vehicle than you do spending spending it with God. Come on now. Some of you spend more time working out. Oh, don't go there, Owen. You know, I believe in taking care of yourself physically, but it can become an idol.
1: Listen, you're gonna get old.
0: It's gonna sag. Gravity's gonna hit it. It's gonna move slower. Pastor Adam, show them how you're doing. Come up here and do a cartwheel. Show them, Pastor Adam. <laughs> Against working out. I'm just saying, don't make it an idol. Because if your spouse isn't working out, or your siblings, or your co workers, all of a sudden you can get a little pride, a little arrogance, and it can set up temptation. If we could work out spiritually with the word, with doing some fasting, everybody look down at your tummy. Just look down and say to it, you need my help. I'm a friend in Jesus. Some of you are like, I don't like that when he does that. I feel like he's highlighting me. If that's how insecure you are, you really need to fast. When you understand your identity, Matthew 5 says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You see, when, when you don't feel like you can do it anymore and you, you really understand and your confidence is gone and your self-esteem is gone, that's a time where Jesus can do a lot. Because you're not going to take the glory. Verses 11 and 12. This was according to the eternal purpose that he had realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory, verse 14. Now he's going to talk about praying, praying for one another. Point number three is this. Our faith allows us to access, allows us access to the throne of grace with confidence. Our faith allows us access to the throne of grace with confidence. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Boom, 16 and 17. Father, spirit, and son. He's talking about the Trinity here. I'm coming to the Father. Wanting the Spirit so that you understand who you are in Christ. Hebrews 4:16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Church, I want to extend love, I want to extend time, I want to help people. But there are high-maintenance, low-impact people that will drain you. Some have them in their own family. They will drain you. Sometimes you have to step back, take your purse and your wallet off of helping, step back, take all the things you're trying to fix, step back and let the Holy Spirit work on them even when it's painful to watch. Because as soon as they get to doing a little bit better, you'll see if the real fruits are there. And if they're not, then you understand, oh my goodness, God, this stuff's repeating itself. That's a word for somebody this morning. So these first three chapters are about the church And he's telling us how to pray. I had a thing. It's in my Bible. It's called the family prayer. I'll be glad to make you a copy. I've done it four or five times. And it's something that I pray for my family. I pray it for our staff. I pray it for some of my close friends. It's out of Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. And part of it is this part right here that we just read. So that Christ may dwell in Jared's heart, in Shaloi's heart, in Kirsten's heart, in Rich's heart, in Nathan's heart, in Kayla's heart, in Brooke's heart. Oh, help Brooke, Lord. And just help them. But I pray this, and I pray it over my grandchildren. And I call out their names. That they would be rooted and grounded in love. That they may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breath The length, the height, and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And that's what I pray for them. I quote those scriptures over them as I pray for them, knowing that God wants to do something. And I say this, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3 is a great prayer to pray over your family members. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, and I'm like, God, you can do far more abundantly in them than I could even think of or ask. I want you to do it. Just, Lord, take them so much further than I've ever been. Not just those generations, but beyond my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren, my great-great-great-grandchildren. I ask for blessing. I pray that there will be such an anointing. Should you tarry, God, I want them to know you. Amen. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ. Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So I'm going to close with this. As I was preparing this message, the Lord took me to Judges chapter 6, verse 12. Judges chapter 6, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. To who? Gideon. The Israelites were being attacked. They'd been attacked time and time again. They'd been defeated time and time again. There wasn't much left. What they owned was being stripped from them. The fear that they lived in was constant. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of the Midian. And the Lord was saying, This is the philosophy of Americans today. They feel like Gideon's at the wine press hiding, Am I going to lose my retirement? Am I going to lose my children? The schools are a mess. Our health is a mess. And we're blaming everything, and we're hiding. We're tired. We're broken. We're messed up. And Ephesians 3 says, I'm praying this for you. But we don't go to God. We just stay in fear all huddled down there, we've heard what God, our young people have said, we've heard what God has done, but we're not seeing it because our parents and grandparents have stopped praying and fasting. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel. At your weakest. I think some really bad things are about to happen even worse in America than you can imagine. I'm not this pessimistic dude. I'm a half-full guy. But things are about to get really shaken. Shaken. And when you feel like hiding in the wine press, the Lord says, "O oh, mighty woman of valor, O oh, mighty man of valor, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. I believe God is saying, go in this might of yours and save this next generation. Go in this might of yours and save all those in the family. Go in this might and make a difference. But we're hanging on to it, and it's just going to be, our fingers are going to be taken off of our time, talent, treasure if we're not careful. When God's saying, just give it away. Let me do what I want to do. said back to him Gideon said please Lord how can I save Israel behold my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am get this this morning I am the very least in my father's house and the Lord said to him but I will be with you come on get that church stand with me this morning But I, I will be with you. And he has sent his Holy Spirit to empower us. But I will be with you. That you might strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign. And he does these fleeces before God. I'm not a fleece guy. But if that's all the faith you got, you do what you got to do. Because it'll work at times. Say, show me these fleeces. And God wakes him up and he says, now listen, your father has an image of Baal in the family's yard. I want you to go tear that down. And he tears it down, and all the prophets of Baal and all the worshipers of Baal, they come to his father's house, and they're like, hand Gideon over to us. We're going to kill him. He's destroyed our God. I'm telling you, when you stand for Jesus in the season that we're in, even family members are going to rise up, and they're going to want to destroy you, come after your character, your integrity, even if it costs you your job, where you are, stand for God. And then the Lord says to Gideon, now get an army ready. And he's got 32,000. He says, now ask out of that 32,000 how many are fearful and 10,000 are and they leave. He says, now take them to this place and let them drink. And if a certain group drinks this way or another group drinks that way, remove them. And he God weeds the army down to 300. Come on, church. And Gideon's like, 300, Lord. But this is our God. The enemy's camp out there, they fear the church. They fear the church. They fear who you are in Christ. You don't know what they're saying. That's why they're so against you. Politicians, people out there in government, people out there in business, see, they fear believers. And so he says, Gideon, take somebody, go to the enemy's camp, sneak up there and listen to what they're saying. And he gets up there and he hears this guy talking about, I had a dream. I had a dream, and the God of Gideon showed up, and he defeated us. In this dream, Gideon goes back, and he's like, Lord, I can just hear him you don't want to use 300, that's okay, because, man, you're going to do it. And all of a sudden, all they did was shout and make noise and throw some pots, and those guys turned on themselves, started killing themselves. Can I tell you, it just takes some people that are willing to pray, believe, stand in faith, and watch what God can do out there. Would you bow your heads? I believe we have some people here this morning and you know that you have no vision from God and your life has been unrestrained and it's been a mess you've tried to do some things but your marriage you've seen things happen it's because you as the male did not lead the way Come on now! Oh, she made her decision. No, you, as the male, the head of the home, did not pray over them, did not treat her the way, and things or reverse it. It's happened to you, and you've been wounded deeply. Can I tell you something? Your house is in a mess because without a vision, my people perish. With heads bowed, you're like, oh, and I've, I've turned to addiction, drugs, alcohol, pornography. I've turned to food. I've turned to nobody looking around. You're just going to be honest. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. I've not sought my calling because I've not looked for the revelation in the word. I've not really looked to grow in God. If that's you this morning, would you lift your hand up high? Just hold it up for a minute. Come on. A lot of hands going. Just hold it up for a minute. Don't be embarrassed. You're saying, God, that is me this morning. Come on. You see the fruit of what's going on in the family, what's happened, the mess. Oh, yeah, you're alive, but it ain't been what God wants. And you're saying with your hand up, I want that to change today. Anybody else, just put your hand up with them. I've been in that season before, and it's gotten me in all kinds of mess. Anybody, just put your hand up. Just hold it up. Even at home, Jesus, right now, you see every hand that is up. Somebody else, you need to lift your hand up. You know that, and, you, and you're hesitant. Nobody's looking around. Just take it. You're, you're saying, God, I, I got to do this too. I got to get it up. Go ahead, right now. Lord, you see these hands of people that are admitting it's been my way, it's been an unstrain, unrestrained way, and it's brought mess. I've looked for accolades. With friends and family, I've lived, I've lived for me, and I've denied you, God, access, full access to meat, and I've denied myself access to revelation in your word. With your hand lifted, I just want you to say silently or quietly, forgive me, Jesus. You can put your hand down. I want everybody to say this. So, Jesus, give me a hunger for your word because time is short. I need revelation to fulfill the calling that you have placed in my life to affect and infect those around me with your love, your mercy, your grace. I am sorry for making it about me. Today is a new beginning. All of you, none of me, work through me. Give me that hunger to set other things to decide and get into your word in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I just pray a blessing over the folks today, God, that Life changing things will start to happen because the prayers of the righteous avail of much. In Jesus' name, God bless you.
1: If you'd like to support the ministry at Church Alive, there are three easy ways for you to give. You can give at www.churchalivewc.org. Click the giving button in the top of the menu, then you will scroll to the giving page and there you will choose a designation. Then type in the amount you'd like to give. You can choose to give to another fund by clicking the Add a Donation button. Leave a comment or make your gift reoccurring by clicking in the box. Then you will click whether you want to give by a card or your bank account. Enter your information and check the amount you want to give, then click the Submit button. You can also give through the Church Alive app that can be found in your phone's App Store. Once you've downloaded the app, click on the Church Alive app, click the Giving button, and then click Continue on the next page. You'll be taken to the app's Giving page. From there, follow the instructions for giving online. If you'd like to send a check, the address is Church Alive Worship Center at 2401 South 100 West, Lafayette, Indiana 47909. We want to thank you for being part of the Church Alive family, and we pray that God will bless you.